Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, it is so good to have everybody joining us on this long weekend in Melbourne. How good is the Melbourne Cup weekend? You get four days across the weekend if you take the Monday off, which I know many people do. Melbourne is such a beautiful city to be in. How good is this day? Uh, It's just awesome what God is doing here and so brilliant to everybody joining us online today as well. So good to have you with us. But I know God is going to move today. I love that we can come to church with that expectation of, God, what are you going to speak to me about today? What is it that you want to do in me? How do you want to move in my life? So we're just going to start by praying, and then I'm going to get into the Word that I just know God has for us today. So God, I just thank You so much for how You are going to move. God, I thank You that You are good and that You are with us and that You are a God who loves us. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that You would move in power. Holy Spirit, I pray that You'd move in intimacy. God, I thank You that You know every single one of us, exactly what we're walking through, that You wanna meet us exactly where we're at, God, that You are a God who doesn't just look at us and ask us to meet a criteria for You to meet with us. No, You say, I love You and I wanna meet with You. So God, I just thank You that You are here to move in us to, with us today to speak to us. And I pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Why don't we thank our amazing team? Thank you, guys. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just felt stuck? Just overwhelmed by what was going on in life, overwhelmed by a circumstance, overwhelmed by a situation. I had one of those moments a few years ago, and it was when we had just brought our dog, Sky. And if you know me, you know I'm not a crazy dog fan. I grew up on a dairy farm where dogs were to be worked. They weren't there as pets. But Craig and our kids are the opposite. They wanted a dog as a pet. And so I gave in. And, uh, and so we got this dog called Skye. She was six months old at the time. I don't know what breed she is because I don't know enough about the dog to know that. But I know she's a mini lassie. So she, she's a beautiful dog. But when she first came, she'd been pretty much much toilet trained up to a certain point. So she was still having accidents around the house every now and then, but it started to get better. And so I was like, okay, I can do this with this dog. This is all good. But one weekend we went away as a church, went to one of our church camps. And so we had a friend look after Sky while we were away. And this friend ended up giving her something in her diet that she wasn't used to. And so we came home that Sunday night, picked up Sky, and it had been a full-on weekend. There had been so much going on. We were just smashed. We went to bed, fell asleep. Then the next morning, I woke up. Hope ran into our room. It was pitch black, jumping to bed with us. And so I got up, went to the toilet, and Hope's following me. And I, I stepped onto our bathroom floor where there's this cowhide, and my foot just hit the squishiness. This, this warm squishiness. And before I could stop my other foot, the other foot hit the same warm squishiness. And that, that sense comes up on the inside of you like that, uh, like that dry want, and wanting to vomit kind of feeling. And I remember like, and then hope was following me. So hope lands in it as well. And we end up screaming like teenage girls at a Taylor Swift concert. We're like, 
And so Craig comes on, turns on the light, and Sky, our dog, had pooed over the entire cowhide, over our bathroom, everywhere. So there was hardly a spare spot where there was no poo. So Craig literally had to come over to Hope and I, pick us up, take us to the bath, wash our feet off. We were literally stuck in poo. You know those situations that you have where you just feel overwhelmed? You just feel stuck. I remember at the beginning of this year with coming into Sim Street and everything God has asked us to step into this year, I remember having one of those moments with God of feeling overwhelmed. And God, how are we gonna do this? God, this is so much. How are, you gonna, how are we going to step into everything that you have for us? And very clearly, God took me to Ezra and Nehemiah, and he showed me five different scriptures where it talks about the hand, the gracious hand of God being on them. And it says this in Ezra 7 verse 28, because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage and I gathered leaders from Israel to go out with me. Ezra 8 verse 22 says, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to Him. How beautiful is that? The gracious hand of God is on everyone who looks to Him, but His great anger is against all who forsake Him. Nehemiah 2 verse 8 says, But because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. And God said to me in that moment, you don't need to worry. You don't need to fear. You don't need to be overwhelmed. All you need to know is that my gracious hand is on you. My good hand is on you. See, in the Bible, when a hand is talked about, it's symbolic of the will of somebody, of the will of a person. And then the word graciousness actually means the goodness and kindness of God. So literally the gracious hand of God with us means God's Good will being with us. God's good will, His kindness being towards us. Do you see yourself as someone who walks with God's good hand over your life? Do you see yourself as someone who walks in the kindness of God? who walks in His favour, who walks with His authority, who walks with the power of heaven flowing through us? Do you see yourself as someone who walks with the grace of God with us? How do we see ourselves? Because I don't know about you, but it can be so easy to see everything that's going against us, to see the opposition rather than the provision that God has given us. Rather than the fact that, man, we have the Creator of the universe. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one that sees it all, we have Him walking with us. We have His presence with us, but it can be so easy just to see all the opposition instead, to see the financial opposition, to see the family dynamics, to see the work situation, and to have our view downcast rather than realizing, actually, the gracious hand of God is on me. See, it's so important how we see ourselves because God promises His grace to us. Ephesians is actually an incredible um, passage in the Bible where it talks about God's grace. And it talks about God's grace meeting us in three different areas. In Ephesians 2 verse 8, it talks about how God's grace meets us for salvation. 
How grateful are we that His grace met us for salvation, that we're redeemed. Then Ephesians 3 verse 8 talks about how we're grace for a God call, every single one of us. We are grace for a God purpose. We're grace for a God call here on this earth. You aren't here by any accident. You aren't here in your family by accident. You aren't married by accident. You aren't, you haven't got the children that you have by accident. You're not in your work situation by accident. No, God is leading you. And there is a call of God on your world to bring heaven to earth in every situation that we're in. There is a grace of God on us to outwork God's kingdom coming to earth. Then Ephesians 4 verse 8 says, we are graced with gifts to build His kingdom, to build His church, to build His kingdom, heaven coming to earth. We are graced with His gifts. And we have this incredible privilege of seeing His grace move through our lives. But I love what Romans 12 verse 3 says, living then as every one of you does in pure grace, It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. How powerful is that? We don't bring that goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us, not what we are and what we do for Him. Gosh, imagine if our understanding of ourselves changed. To me, it's not about working for God. It's about partnering with Him. It's not about my striving. It's about His Spirit moving through me. It's not about my strength. It's about His strength. Imagine how radically it would change our perspective and what we do if we understood ourselves. So how do we understand ourselves? Do we understand ourselves as someone who walks in the goodness of God? And again, God has been speaking to me all year about this topic but in particular, when one day we had come to visit the site and it was still a construction site and there was still massive amounts to do. There was lots of challenges before us. And we left the site and went the other way, the back way around Sim Street where there's a train station. And we ended up just sitting, waiting for this train to go past. And it was honestly one of the biggest trains that I've ever seen. We were literally sitting there for eight minutes while this train went past carriage after carriage after carriage after carriage. And again, I had one of those moments of, God, God, how can we do this? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment. He said, watch this train, Nadia. None of those carriages have any power and strength on their own. Their power and strength comes from being coupled to the main engine, being coupled to the main source. And he said to me, that is your agenda. That is your priority in this season, not to move in your power and your strength, but to be coupled to the main engine, coupled to His grace, coupled to His power, coupled to His authority, coupled to... His expertise, coupled to His strength, coupled to His wisdom. That's the main outcome. And when we walk in that, it's about being aligned to Him. It's about being positioned in Him. And when we walk in that way, we walk knowing His grace. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk about what it means to be coupled to grace. Be coupled to grace. And the first thing is we've got to keep activating faith. Are you with me today? We've got to keep activating faith. Ezra 8 verse 22 to 23 says, 
Ezra said, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and we petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. And we can read a passage of scripture like that and just think, oh, that sounds all good. But you know, that was a four month journey back to Jerusalem. It was a four-month journey where they were exposed to robbers, and the natural thing would be to ask the, the king for help, for protection. But Ezra was so committed to not relying on human strength that he was like, no, I'm not going to petition the king. Instead, I'm petitioning the greater king. Instead, I'm asking my God for his grace, for his strength to be on me. But how easy is it for us in life just to settle back in our human strength? to settle back in what is comfortable for us, to settle back in what we know and what we understand, to settle back in the comfy armchair. And this is what we want life to be like. We want life to be comfortable. We want life to be convenient. We want life to be God just handing us stuff. I'd have my hand up saying, man, I'd love life to operate like that. God, at my beck and call, God's grace moving. Sometimes we have, this is our picture of God's grace, that God's just here at our beck and call, here to pour out His goodness on us, just, you know, whenever we want it, whenever we're, we're needing it in the comfort of our armchair. But actually grace moves in response to our faith. Our grace, God's grace poured out over our life is in response, is directly correlated to our faith. So grace actually comes when we step up and step out in faith. When we actually align ourselves to His purposes, when we actually align ourselves to His plans, when we get out of our will and step into His will. So I'm going to invite Grace just to come on the stage with me, please. And uh, this is kind of, again, a picture. (laughs) of how God's grace operates. See, we get out of the armchair And we're invited instead to join him where he wants to take us. (laughs) To go, to be be whispered sweet nothings in our ear. To go where he is wanting to lead us. To be coupled to him. To be embraced by him. To abide in him, the word of God says. Because when we abide in him, we produce fruit. Without him, John says, without abiding in him, we can do nothing. And this is what the picture of grace is. Not in our comfy armchair, but in his arms, in his presence, being led by him, being molded by him, being shaped by him, stepping out in him, being led by faith in him, stepping out into his purpose and his plans, not our own plans. This is a picture of what grace looks like, us trusting Him, us stepping into the platform of faith that He's entrusted to us, us stepping into the more that He has for us. And when we do that, He promises to meet us with His grace. Thank you, babes. It's a pretty good looking figure of grace there. (laughs) See, Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10 says, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So the question I have for us today is what are the good works God has prepared for you that you are yet to step into? 
What is the faith step that you know He's asking you to make that you are yet to step into because maybe it's just been about comfort? See, so often in life, we try to embrace the comfort of following Jesus rather than embracing what He's asking of us, the obedience and responding to His call. What is God asking of us? Maybe it's leading a group. Maybe it's stepping out, serving in church. Maybe it's stepping out in a business opportunity. Maybe it's meeting with a friend that isn't saved and intentionally revealing Jesus to them. What is the next step that that God is asking of you? That next faith step, because He's prepared good works for us to do. Have we stepped into them yet? The second thing, being coupled to grace, is what we commit to unity. We commit to unity. God's grace moves on our unity. Nehemiah 4 verse 6 says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. There was a common cause that the people had to build God's house, to build God's kingdom. God breathes upon our unity. Many of us will know the Scripture in Psalm 133 verse 1 to 3. How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? It is like precious oil pulled on the head, running down on the bed, running down on Aaron's bed, down on the collar of his robe. It is as the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion for there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. Where there is unity in the body, unity in the church, God's anointing flows. His presence flows. His power meets every person. Can you believe that every single one of us sitting here today, we are either a proponent of unity or we are somebody who stops unity? So it's a powerful question to ask ourselves, am I being somebody that enhances the presence of God moving? unity? Or am I being a blocker of the presence of God because there's disunity happening? How powerful is that? That we are the ones, because of our unity, that get to provide a platform for God's presence to move, God's power to have full right to move. So what builds unity? Healthy and honest conversations. Will we honour each other? Will we talk to each other with grace? Where there, and there's stuff going on, we are honest with each other. We communicate where we need to communicate. It's not just bottling it up. It's not having sideways conversations. No, it's speaking and getting help where we need to get help, getting clarity when we need to get clarity, bringing understanding where there needs to be understanding. A great example of this is um, recently I was on our deck Uh, just cleaning our deck and there were some eggs that had just been dropped on our deck and they had been baked on on, in the sun. There was shell and everything. I'm like, how did eggs, raw eggs, get on our deck? And I had to be in there like scraping scraping them off. I'm like, maybe one of the kids came out to the deck and just dropped eggs. I'm like, that is so bizarre. I asked the kids, they're like, no, we didn't do anything. I'm like, that is so weird. Eggs been on our deck. And then a, a, a little while later, we went out as a family and we got a call from our neighbour and he said, hey guys, I just want you to know that one of the other neighbours is really upset because your dog Sky, again Sky, our dog, has been howling. 
And we had just got out of lockdown. So Sky had been used to us being around for like two years. Thank you, Melbourne and lockdown. But for two years, she'd been used to whenever we went out, she would start to howl. And he's like, man, the neighbor is getting really upset. It's not looking good. And so we came home, we got it sorted out. But then I clicked. The eggs on our dick were because the neighbor was throwing eggs at our dog Sky. I'm like... Guys, instead of throwing eggs, just talk to us about it. All it needed was an honest conversation and I can deal with Sky. All it needed was an honest chat. So if anybody wants a dog, we have a dog for sale. We have a dog that you can take. She poos, she howls, but you can take her. We have dog issues. My guys, all it took... All was needed was an honest conversation. Who are we throwing eggs at in our head? When all it needs is an honest conversation, a heart conversation, because stuff just starts to get bottled up. When we have those honest conversations, it needs to be with the people that are involved so that it brings right resolution rather than talking sideways and then we all end up carrying each other's issues No, we talk to the right people because that's what builds unity. That's what builds God's presence to keep moving. Let's fight church life. Let's keep fighting for unity. Let's keep fighting for God's presence flowing in a great way. The third thing is that we stand up to doubt. See, doubt comes when we listen to the accusations of the enemy. Nehemiah 4 verse 2, it talks about how their enemies came against them and said, you're feeble Jews. You're not able to do this. Who are you to think that you could do this? There's no way that you can build the wall in this amount of time. There's no way that you can do this. And it says this, Nehemiah says to the rest of the Israelites who were building the wall, he says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Our God will fight for us. Come on, there are times where we need to stand up to the accusations of the enemy. We need to stand up to his intimidation where he'd want to say, hey, who are you to think that you're anybody? Who Who are you to think that you could do that? Who are you to think that you can take ground there? Who are you to stand up in your workplace and let others know about my goodness? Who are you to be somebody that intervenes for your family? Who do you think that you are? And there's got to be something in us that stands up to that voice of doubt that says, I am chosen. I'm a priest to the Most High God. I've been appointed for such a time as this to bring God's flavour, to bring God's blessing, to walk in God's grace. And we give it back to the enemy. We give it back when he comes against us with accusations. No, there's something that stands up in us and says, I've got the Word of God. The Word of God is my truth. And I'm slapping you across the face, enemy, with the Word of God because the Word of God is what directs my path, not those accusations of the enemy. So we have a God that's fighting for us. We only give in to doubt when we give in to the accusations of the enemy rather than listening to God's promises over our lives. Because we have a God that's, that's fought for us, that's fighting for us to lean into His promises. Come on, He's a good God. He wants to defend His children. He wants to set us up for a win. He doesn't set us up for disaster. He doesn't set us up for failure. No, there's something in our God that loves to defend his kids. See, I don't know about you, but I, when it comes to my kids, I turn into a mama bear. I'm like, there is something that rises up in me that will defend my kids at any cost. 
And I was reminded of this recently when I went to pick up our daughter, Hope. She's just 11 years old from school. And I was driving up to pick her up and she was on one side, the right-hand side of the road and one of her friends was on the other side, other side of the road. And I saw this exchange between the two of them. And Hope yelled out to the other side of the road. She said, hey, so-and-so, hi. And the other girl, I watched as the other girl looked back at her and wound up to do the fingers back at Hope. So I was indicating to go right to pick up Hope. And then I indicated to go left. (laughs) And I drove up alongside this girl and I said, hey, because I know her, she's come to our house for different parties and I know her mum as well. And I said, hey, That was not nice. Don't do that again. And then I wound it back around and I picked up Hope. Hope's mortified. She's like, Mum, why did you do that? Like, my friends do that to me all the time. I'm like, do they? Well, who are those other friends? Because I'll have a piece of them as well. She's mortified. I'm like, Hope, I'm not going to stand back and just see my daughter treated in that kind of way. There's something in me as a mum. I can't help but defend you. Then she came home a week later and she's like, you know what, mum, after you did that, she's been so nice to me. (laughs) She's been so kind to me. But see, there's something in us as parents, we can't help but defend our kids. God's exactly the same with us. He hasn't set you up to fail you. He hasn't given you this life to fail you. No, he's a God that's with you. He's a God that's for you. He's a God who has fought for you, died on the cross for you to give us our freedom. God, daily he fights for us. Daily he is interceding for us. Daily the Holy Spirit is right there to help us. We have a God that's fighting for us who is with us. The next thing is that being coupled to grace, that we are defined by his grace. His grace becomes what defines us. We are not defined by what we do. Some of us need to hear this today. Not defined by what we look like. Not defined by how successful we are. Not defined by our relationships. Not defined by our career success. Not defined by our children. Not defined by our marriages. We're defined by who God is in us. We're defined by the goodness of God being with us and flowing through us. See, Nehemiah was able to leave his prominent position of being cupbearer to the king because he knew what God wanted to do through him. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He had such a revelation of God's grace. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. But the grace of God, I am what I am. It is only His grace. And He had a continual revelation of this grace. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9, He starts out saying, I'm the least of all the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called one because I persecuted the church. And Ephesians 3 verse 8 says, I'm the least of all God's people. It's only because of God's grace. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, he says, I'm trustworthy saving that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. He went from being the worst of the apostles to the worst of all Christians, the worst of all people or sinners because he had a growing revelation of just how much he was made because of God's grace. You are defined by the grace of God moving in your life. I am 
what I am because of God's grace. I am what I am because of how He met me. I am what I am because of His goodness, not my goodness. I am what I am because of His strength, not my own strength. You know, we stand in this house today that is an example of God's grace and God's goodness. But you know what? This ministry, this church, it's not what defines me. His grace is what defines me. And His grace started in my life. I'm going to show a picture on the screen of, at this house. And this house was where my grandma, a single mum, struggling on her own with a little boy, no support, rejected by everybody. My grandma walked into this house and a lady, Lillian Gore, had just come back from a missions trip and she opened her house, her home to my grandma. And in this house, my grandma heard about Jesus. She heard about the love of Jesus. She heard about the goodness of our God. And in that house, Grandma opened her life to Jesus and she was saved. And then that has been the journey of all of us knowing the goodness of God in our lives. God's grace started back there. His grace is what defines me. His grace is what's going to keep defining me. His grace is what defines each and every one of us. It's not about the bigness of everything. It's about the fact that we're entrusted to have God moving through our lives. And I love what James 4 verse 6 says. He gives more grace. There's more grace for us to get. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And we keep our heart in that ourselves in that heart posture of God, I just need you. God, I'm nothing without you. God is able to just come and keep pouring out more and more and more and more of His grace. And the last thing today is that we own what is in our hand. Being coupled to grace is where we own what is in our hand. Nehemiah and Ezra, they both experienced God's grace because they just started with what was in their hand. When it comes to our lives, we start knowing God's grace and we just start with what we've got in our hand. Start with what's before us. For Craig and I, we started in kids' church here at Life. We saw God's grace move through kids' church and then youth ministry and then West Campus and then other ministries that we were entrusted. We're here today simply because we just kept saying yes to what was right in front of us. And as we said, yes, God's grace just meets you. God's grace just flows. But we've got to own what is in our hand. See, so often we don't own what is in our hand because it doesn't match what's in our heart. And what happens is that we don't honour what's in our hand and so we never get what's in our heart because we're not faithful with the small. We're not faithful with what God's entrusted to us to this day. And we've been faithful with what's before us. And an amazing example of this is in 2 Kings 5 verse 2. And it's actually the story of where Naaman is healed from leprosy. It's this incredible passage. And Naaman is the, the leader of the army of the enemies of Israel. And this young Israelite girl gets stolen from her family. It says this in 2 Kings 5 verse 2. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. Now just take a moment here. This young girl is taken captive by the enemy of Israel. She's old enough 
to know, as we're going to see, all about Elisha and his power. So she's mature enough to know exactly what's happened to her. And she goes into the enemy's home. And then she says this to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And then we know the story of how Naaman goes and he's cured of leprosy. Elisha heals him. And it's this incredible peace between the enemies of Israel and then Israel. But it happened because one girl in the middle of her tragedy, in the middle of her disappointment, in the middle of what many of us, it would lead to bitterness. It would lead to, I'm not helping them. There's no way they're getting my help. They took me from my family. I know what I'd be doing in that situation. But this beautiful young Israelite girl chose instead to be a conduit of God's grace, to be a messenger of God's grace. In the middle of her disappointment, she owned what was in her hand to own. And I know that there are people here today And if you're to be honest, you're in the middle of what seems like an incredible disappointment. You're in the middle of what seems like when I started this message, like you're just stuck. God, I just feel stuck here. I feel like I'm in the middle of what seems overwhelming. And I just know that God's grace wants to meet you here. Why don't we just all stand to our feet? Because I just know the Holy Spirit wants to move right now. If the rest of the team can join me, please. Just why every eye is closed. If you're just here today and you say, you know what, I just know God's grace needs to meet me. I'm in that place where you're talking about where I just feel stuck and I need God's grace in a new way. I just wanna be coupled to His grace. And right where you stand, why don't you lift your hands to heaven? I'm just gonna pray for you right where you're standing, right where you are. We're just gonna believe right now that the Holy Spirit is just gonna come alongside and minister right now. Minister His grace, minister His strength, minister His kindness. So many hands going up. Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray, God, that You would meet us with Your goodness. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that You would just meet us with Your favour. Holy Spirit, I pray that You would meet us in Your goodness. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, pour out Your grace. Where it seems overwhelming, God, I just pray that You'd pour out Your favour. You'd pour out Your kindness, that Your grace would meet us. I thank You, God, that You've called us to be coupled to Your grace. And as we're coupled to Your grace, Your Holy Spirit meets us. Your kindness meets us. God, as we step out in faith, as we pursue You, as we say it's not about the comfort of our armchair, but God, it's about pursuing You, being coupled to Your grace. God, I pray that Your presence, that Your strength would meet us. Holy Spirit, would You pour out. Holy Spirit. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.